Hey, Don. Hello, Zach. This week, Bloomberg had two different articles about the looming debt crisis that's coming up. We're a little more than a week away before possibly financial calamity might strike America and the rest of the world if President Biden and Congress cannot cut a deal to raise America's debt ceiling. And this was just sort of an article about the debt ceiling, but really it was about America's prestige around the world and how we are really taking some hits because we can't get our financial house in order. And here's the best paragraph I read. As many economists, including Sarah House of Wells Fargo, have offered, you don't even need to actually default on the debt for there to be real damage in the economy. At Bloomberg Economics, a team led by chief U.S. economist Anna Wong modeled a scenario where a protracted standoff leads to elevated market stress and Treasury is forced to cut social spending to prioritize funds to repay the debt. They estimate conservatively that gross domestic product could contract at an annualized rate of 8% in the second half as a result. Through wars, recession, and the pandemic, Americans have benefited from the U.S. Treasury bond being the closest thing there is to a risk-free asset. Allowing the federal government to fund itself, often at lower cost than its peers, demand for those securities supports a $24 trillion market that is the world's deepest and most liquid. U.S. Treasury bonds also anchor a world-spanning network of financial transactions. Even if a last-minute deal averts a default, America's reputation as a country that honors its debt could take a hit, and the effects lingering for months or even years. And Don, the article goes on just to kind of talk about possible repercussions. What did you think about the article, and are you concerned about this impending doom if we don't pass a deal? So every other nation in the world does it one step, like, okay, Congress or their, and whatever their, uh, their administrative system is, parliament, whatever, they pass spending and that's it. The U.S. government passes spending and then has this second debt limit that's just this looming nightmare that's arriving. Like Congress already approved all this money that's going to be spent, but now there's this artificial limit here. And it's just silly. Like if the Congress already voted to spend the money, spend the damn money. Why do we need to go back and then have this artificial debt limit that we're never going to actually obey and is largely for politics and leverage? It's just silly. If you if the if the Congress approves spending, that's it. They spent the money. I don't think they go back and then say like, oh, I want to I don't want to do that after all. I just want to use this for leverage. So I think it's all very silly. The Democrats and Republicans will come to some agreement at the very last second because the U.S. government's never defaulted and we will be okay. Are you sure they're going to cut a deal this time? Because for the first time ever, I've been reading more and more headlines of congressmen, especially on the conservative side. Some of them seem to kind of be rooting for a default. They almost want to see this happen so that either they can blame somebody, they can uh, all of a sudden maybe get on TV a little bit more. Maybe they feel like this is how America will finally put its fiscal house in order. You know, you you watch all this posturing and you you have both sides saying that we're, we're not going to negotiate or President Biden wants a clean uh, just debt increase and that's it. Then he'll negotiate over spending. And I realize that somewhere in the smoke filled room, they are negotiating. But I don't know. I, I, I just wonder if it's not this time, maybe it's next time. It seems like we're getting closer and closer to dysfunction when it comes to this issue. 
How many times have we defaulted? Zero. But I'd okay. also say that it seems like the tone has just so changed now. Uh, I realize that this is not the first or the last time our country is probably going to fight over the debt ceiling, but it just seems like you've got more and more actors out there that maybe don't want to just acknowledge what really is the most important thing is that one, we've never defaulted, and two, the financial calamity that could impact not only just sort of your middle class and poor people, but you're super rich. Most of them own the stocks and bonds in the world. And I'm kind of surprised that they have not yet started getting on television and yelling. I'm sure some of them are making phone calls. And I guess maybe ultimately we just need the barometer, which is probably the stock market, right? The moment that the elite probably get afraid is when we're going to start to see some big drops in the market. And I believe we saw that during Obama's big standoff with this uh, probably about a decade ago or so. Yes, but it's May 21st. We have, that's the day we're recording this. I, I think we have about 10, 12 days before we really need to worry. Congress is very good at waiting till the last minute. They're going to come to some agreement. I'm not too concerned. You know, I know there's people out there I know that have guns and they're ready in case somebody kicks down their front door, tries to abduct and destroy their family and terrorize them. It hasn't happened yet at my house. I'm not too worried. And that's fine. And I, and I do. I, I think probably what you're going to have is right now, I believe President Biden and Speaker McCarthy, they kind of called off the debt talks until Biden gets back in the country. He was out visiting Asia, I believe, this weekend. Although part of what the article was talking about is, once again, our president has an opportunity to get out there and try to build a bigger coalition in Asia, get more people on board with whatever, whatever policies and plans he's got. And now he has to come back to the country to sort of negotiate this debt ceiling, which kind of was the bigger point of the article of we look more and more like a sort of banana republic, a nation that just can't stand confidently behind its own financial system. We've got a couple other banks that went under earlier this year, and we, we don't seem sound necessarily there. And yes, we can just keep printing money as long as we want, but you kind of got to have faith in the institution that's doing it. And I think the image that America is projecting is just one of constant bickering. When you think debt ceiling and finances would be one of those things that just is like the third rail. It doesn't need to be fought over, right? Yeah, but show me the nation that looks beyond reproach. France increased their retirement age. There's pitch, people with pitchforks and torches at the gates. Um, England can't figure out health care at all. And they have this Brexit thing that's just a freaking nightmare. I mean, Italy can't pay their bills. I guess Germany's doing well, but they got immigrants everywhere. They don't know what to do about that. Like, show me the nation that has no problems. This is a really good point. Uh, this is a very American-centric uh, news story by Bloomberg. And you're right. Every nation in the world sort of has a problem. In fact, the article even talked about how, like, in the 90s when Japan was – uh, experiencing a major economic boom. Some thought maybe the yen might replace the American dollar as a major international currency, and it never did. Uh, some people have always wished there was sort of a basket of currencies that perhaps people had to use to make and to, to perform international trade, but that has also not happened. And so you're right. I, I think it is a very good point to make that every nation has its own challenges. I will tell you the one thing I am rooting for. And I don't know if you had this plan to talk about, but I hope so. It's the trillion dollar coin. My understanding is that the president has the power to mint coins, but not paper money. 
and can't. And so the president could mint a trillion dollar coin and hand it over to the treasury. And if that's the case, then I think we should do that because there'll be wonderful movies about people trying to steal the trillion dollar coin. <laughs> yes, that was on my agenda to talk about. And that was the other article that Bloomberg brought up is, as you said, the idea that basically Biden, he's got a plan for all scenarios. And therefore, you can't tell me there aren't some, you know, economists that he's got in a room thinking this up. And they've tried to test it out. There's a lot of people that argue legally he could. And basically, as you're saying, he just basically tells the Treasury, mint a $1 trillion platinum coin and put it in the Treasury. And that just sort of puts this whole thing to bed. And as you're right, there would probably be some interesting movies of uh, people, as the article said, uh, people trying to steal a like publisher's clearinghouse size coin that I guess maybe we <laughs> push into a vault or something like that. Um, yes, yes. That's what I want to see. I want to see the Fast and the Furious where they steal the trillion dollar coin. You know what? It, it might work. Or, or I guess that like, was George Clooney, Ocean's Eleven, because they have to be really yeah. slick. Cool guys doing it. Maybe we keep the coin in Vegas just so for a really good uh, kind of movie scene. Yes, there's got to be good looking people trying to steal this trillion dollar coin. I'll watch that movie. I do think it has to be a big coin, though. I don't think it has to be big. I think it's more interesting if it's the size of like a twice the size of a quarter. It's just floating around out there like, oh, my gosh. And look, he's got it in his palm. Matt Damon's got his palm. He tosses it to Tom Cruise who's running on the side of a building. Now he has it. And oh, this would be so fun. No, I, I hear you for like a heist movie. But I just think if we are going to make a coin, then I want like the coin that's like maybe 10 feet high. <laughs> and, you know, it really has to be rolled. And I mean, geez, put it in the archives and let, let people at least like take a tour of it and stuff like that. In Sudbury, Ontario, they have a nickel that's like 10 feet tall. It's the largest nickel in the world because they make a lot of nickel there. They mine it and refine it. I've seen it, Zach. I've seen the largest nickel in the world. It's it's interesting because they the Bloomberg article talked to a pollster to basically go out and poll Americans about what do you think of this coin idea. And this is what they wrote. They said, let's just say the results don't bode well for the coin as a mechanism <laughs> of our salvation. 14% of voters support the coin. 37% oppose it. And 49% have no opinion or don't know enough to say. On the plus side, the coin is more popular than Vladimir Putin. He gets 11% approval. It draws more support than Mike Pence and Nikki Haley combined. They get 9.7%. Half the country is still persuadable. Still, this is not great. So I don't know. I, I think that's the problem is most Americans are probably totally unaware of this, but maybe a lot would come around to it. Oh, yeah. Well, it'd be super interesting. It'd be great, great movie and speculation. Where is the coin now? Does it go on Air Force One if we we're bombed by nuclear weapons? Like, this is such a great, there's so many places to go here. I'm a big fan of this idea. Overall, I think the whole situation's a bit of a crap show, but th this could be the one redeeming feature out of it is tossing around that coin. Well, it's funny though, because at the way America spends, a part of me feels like one trillion is not a big enough coin. Like, Ooh. don't you think it needs to be like a $5 trillion coin? 
why stop at one trillion? I guess if, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, I like that. Let's have an even bigger coin. This is where I wish we had some policy dude that could like really come down and tell us like why why was the one trillion dollar number thought of? Um, this has been in the news for a couple of months, but it just seems like if you're going to do this, take uh, you know go bigger. But I do think it's interesting because at first some people say this is stupid. You're just making a coin, but that's what the Fed does every day when it just prints up more money in general is money is only worth something because everybody believes it. I remember once reading somebody who had this really interesting quote and they're like, the largest religion in the world is the dollar and the collective <laughs> belief that it's worth something, that it can be traded, that tomorrow it's going to continue to have a value. And we all buy into it. And therefore, a part of me wonders if you did just say make it $1 trillion coin, does the world just keep going on? Like liquidity keeps happening. People get their paychecks. Stocks are being traded. I wonder if maybe some people might like call BS on this, but maybe it works. Yeah, I mean, it buys you a little bit of time. You can tell uh, McCarthy, like, look, we're not going to do your thing. And uh, then we'll uh, buy another few weeks. It doesn't seem the Democrats and Republicans are getting together and really solving problems at the moment. So I hope that they come up with some sort of compromise that maybe has some meaningful cuts in things that are silly, like funding the A-10 Warthog, but they uh, could then maybe make a deal. But otherwise, yeah, why not coin it up? Well, that's what's so incredible about this was I think it was like last December that the news stories began about how we have this looming debt ceiling coming right it's always looming by the way i've noticed in the media they really like that term but it's not like we didn't know this was coming in fact they reported on it in december january february march it's been picking up steam now but i think what's amazing is just how self-inflicted this is and that both parties have like made their stance and then they just ignore the issue everybody knows this has to come down to like an 11th hour agreement as it's the only way to actually negotiate and i guess it just to me is kind of sad that we're at a point where our leaders can't just get in a room and and hack out a deal way ahead of this and as you're saying we already agreed to spend the money why do we have to do deal with this uh mechanism yeah, it's got to be a political issue. Well, it's just a, it's a like it's a ticking time bomb for whoever the party is that has the minority control. So if Republicans or Democrats had all three out the Senate, the House, and the presidency, then it wouldn't be a big deal at all. But you set the bomb, and then when is this bomb going to go off? So I'm sure they're going to solve this thing right before the deadline, but they're going to set it to go off again whenever they think that they have leverage politically. So if Republicans think they're going to have the House, the Senate, and the presidency, then maybe they want it to expire then, and then they can renew it and set it for whenever they think the Democrats are going to be in charge so they can then uh, leverage it for more political gains. It's all politics. No, and that's a good point. I mean, both parties are hypocrites when it comes to all of a sudden when their guy's not in office as president, then they all of a sudden take this big moral stand about America's spending problem. And then when their guy is in office, they just continue to, to increase it and stuff like that. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's such an old debate. And I guess just it fundamentally comes down to like, as you're saying, just come up with an agreement of 
you know, increasing revenues and, and cutting spending, right? Like this doesn't seem that complicated. I think what's amazing to me is how raising taxes is just off the table. We're not even going to have that conversation <laughs> or we're not even going to look at different kinds of revenues or it's just, we're not even allowed to do that. That's a non-starter. And the Democrats aren't even going to try to go there, right? And now like most major spending cuts are also off the table. Nobody's going to talk about defense or social security or Medicare because those are too popular. And therefore- Which are like, the three biggest by far. Yes, and therefore, it's such a lazy debate where everything's off the table, and yet we all know that the only thing we really can do is just agree to keep borrowing more because that's what works. And yet, we have to do all this shenanigans, and that's why I just think at some point, we could go over the brink here as this thing gets screwed up. Maybe somebody just thinks they have more time to negotiate, and they really don't. And I guess I'll just be curious, like at 12.01... How do we start doing this? Do we start uh, reducing people's social security checks so that we can at least keep paying on the debt? Uh, you know, do we prioritize things? The, the the Treasury Department's always said they don't know how to prioritize things. Uh, or does literally the world just kind of yawn and say, you know what, America will kind of figure this out? Yes, that's what's happened. I mean, yeah, you make a good point about the real budgeting things that matter are not going to be discussed. So we're just going to argue about whether we're funding more artists that may or may not be offensive to one party or another. Like these are pennies in a dollar. Really, ultimately, we need to make some tough choices the way France is right now because they have problems. They're not going to have nearly enough money unless they raise the retirement age. So France is reckoning with us. At least give them credit. They're reckoning with the problem. Well, and that's the thing that I think most Americans just don't understand or appreciate is what it means to be the world's reserve currency. When you are the dollar, basically, you just get to print up as many as you want, and the whole world wants them. It's still seen as the best investment for risk-free that anybody can get. You get to borrow money at the lowest possible rates. It, it gives you advantages when it comes to trade, when it comes to investments, I, I think that's the thing that like maybe people don't understand of why this could be such a big deal is if people begin to see America as a place where they're not going to get paid back, I do think slowly you will see people make other choices or go to other nations to possibly invest in and stuff like that. Okay, quick. Which nation are you going to? I would probably buy a basket of currencies. I'd probably go around the world and I would, I would, I'd buy, I'd buy euros. I'd buy yen. I'd buy, I'd buy collectively the world. I'd buy an index of currencies. And but that doesn't I, determine a winner. That's not saying like people are going to go to the euro or people are going to go to the yen. People are going, you're like, oh, let's get a collection. Like, okay, well, you're not really picking. You're just picking the random assortment. But that, but that's probably the safest way to look at it though. Cause you'd have no, to no, but you're your right. You're right, it's the safest way. I'm not arguing with that. But you're saying that people are going to go away from the dollar. Well, if they're going away from the dollar, it's not it, the meaningful way to do it is not to go to just this random assortment. It's to, I'm choosing euros or pesos or whatever. What will be the dominant currency? Currency. I think it's got to stick to be the dollar. It probably still would be. It almost just seems unimaginable that it wouldn't be. But even in the last decade or so, you've seen like China, for instance, which uh, still holds a large number of our treasury bonds, 
But they've been slowly kind of weaning themselves off that and looking for other places to sort of invest their money or other safe places to kind of hold their money. Now, you could say, like, maybe China's struggling with trying to take surplus and, and, and find places to do it. Because that's one of the things that I think a lot of people also forget is, like, some debt is probably a good thing for America. I remember once there was an NPR story talking about how, like, during the Clinton administration, when we were running budget surpluses and we had all this extra money, there was an idea that in 10 to 15 years, we might have no national debt. And they actually had, like, a think tank try to look and say, is it a good thing if America, like, doesn't have any debt? And part of the issue is, like, the rest of the world is desperate to have a safe free investment. The rest of the world wants to have dollars and the rest of the world wants to have America borrowing from it. And so maybe 31 trillion, which is our current debt number is too big. But I think like some people think like, oh, just debt's bad, but it's like, no, it might be really destabilizing if we aren't able to have our debt out there. Yes, I read that as well. I remember a long time ago checking that out. I'm not sure I totally understand it, but I do remember that happened. Now, you're a modern monetary theory guy, MMT. You read the book on it. What do you think about that? Well, MMT, we talked about that in a previous episode. And that, of course, was the idea of the government should just keep spending and spending and spending and borrowing and borrowing until inflation gives you the indicator that you need to stop. And therefore, I'd be curious where MMT people are now because technically inflation is spiked. So right now would be a time when you are not going to be spending as much uh, as you don't want to keep uh, tipping the inflation point. Yeah, and that's the real thing that people aren't really addressing. That's the actual thing that's affecting Americans' lives, especially you and me, because we are sitting here making the exact same number of dollars as we did last year. Right, right. And, and that goes into all of this, right, is you have inflation, you have a Fed that has now increased rates steadily for over the last year, money is now not cheap, lots of businesses are sort of taking a pause as it's just not as easy to get capital to start new projects, or maybe you can't get the return on your investment, and now all of a sudden you add in this debt crisis where liquidity more than ever in our country is going to be critical. And all of a sudden there could be some pauses and I could see where this could really put us in a pinch if it were to happen. But as you're telling me, it's not going to happen. No, no, we don't need to worry. Um, there are people making lots of money. They have big donors. They eat really fancy meals, lots of caviar and smoking cigars, drinking expensive whiskey that you and I can't afford. And they've got to, they're going to figure it out, Zach, because their head's on the uh, guillotine line there. That's true. They will be the, the number one hated people if they can't solve it. Do you think Americans are worrying about this enough? Because I, I just like the, 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 the platinum coin idea, 49% of Americans don't even seem to know what this coin is. Do you think 49% of Americans uh, are not even aware that there is a debt ceiling coming up? Oh, for sure. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Although there is a writer's strike, which is really kind of hurting people's distraction. But I think there's still enough uh, stacked up episodes of uh, secession and uh, euphoria and whatnot to keep people entertained. Fair enough. I think what's crazy is I remember when I was in the sixth grade, that was when uh, Bill Clinton and George 
H.W. Bush and Ross Perot were running for president during that time. And at that time, America had a $2 trillion debt. And Ross Perot was really banging his fist in the desk and saying, this is too much and we got to reduce it. And I remember as a kid being terrified at the idea of a $2 trillion debt. I guess it's kind of amazing to think that $29 trillion later, here you and I are having a podcast about the debt. Yeah, there's a lot of me that doesn't appreciate the debt at all as a uh, as a citizen, as, an, as a consumer that's relatively allergic to debt. I want to get rid of debt as quickly as possible for everything. But uh, as a country, somehow it makes sense. Well, and that's the problem, I think, is, is everybody wants to take an individual stance on debt, which is obviously a very different situation than a government. You and I cannot print our own currency, but our nation can. And technically, it can keep printing as long as people want to take it. And I've always wondered why, or I guess I've always wondered if we talk about the debt in a really kind of weird way of like, Shouldn't we just let interest rates tell us when we have too much debt out there? And I, I mean, you know, geez, for the last decade, interest rates have been at their historic lows. And yet we were creeping up in the, you know, 27, 28, 29 trillion dollar debt. Now all of a sudden inflation has spiked. And I guess I wonder if maybe that's the sign that we have too much debt out there and there's too much money sloshing around or should we really just be looking at it in terms of borrowing rates? And is there still a healthy international demand for our treasury bills? If there is, then should we really be concerned that we have too much debt out there? I don't know. I wish I knew more, but I think the debt is, it's not the same as people like to think about. Those that know enough about debt think, I don't want credit card debt, but I don't think they understand the national levels. And I don't think I do either. No, I, I mean, I, I think I have a rudimentary understanding of it. And at the same time, I also realize that it's sort of what makes the world go around. And it's what allows America to have fairly low tax rates and lots of spending is all of our ability just to keep printing off a dollar that collectively the world wants. I don't know. I, I just think it's interesting. But I also think that this article and just sort of talking about America's prestige, I know you came out and said, well, hey, every country's got its own issues. But do you think that there could be some big geopolitical implications? One thing they said in the article is that China, Russia, they would love to watch us falter as they then can point at America and say to the rest of the world, see your beloved stable country? They're not. They can't even get their fiscal house in order. You know, maybe we really need to now start looking at a different sort of global currency. And I, and I do think that matters, especially in a world where you're trying to win the hearts and minds of other nations to sort of look to you to lead. It just seems like this is not a great way to look like we're leading anything. Fair enough. I'm not sure people are losing faith on us and our currency. I'm not sure that our currency is our main allure. I think our allure is the cool movies and TV shows we make and just the idea of what it is to be an American and what America is. I will tell you that there's this idea of crowding out that the government will borrow so much money that private industry and individuals won't be able to borrow. That doesn't seem to gain much weight for me here because the government's borrowed 31 trillion and seems like businesses and people that want to borrow money can find it. Right. Or I guess right now, are we living in that long run where we finally saw rates spike and now 
people don't feel like they have access to cheap funds and stuff like that. Yeah, well, home prices have fallen slightly, but there's still people buying like crazy. That's true. Although during the pandemic, Barron's Magazine had a really interesting cover story where they were trying to promote the idea that America should start offering 100-year bonds. Right now, I think 30 (laughs) is the longest bond that we offer. But with rates having been as low as they were, should America have been racking up even more debt so that they could do big infrastructure projects. Cause I feel like all the time, every, all you over here is up oh, Congress. The one thing they might be able to work on is infrastructure projects. And yet I never feel like we are really ever building anything. And yet we're always talking about wanting to build things. We know our roads are crumbling and our sewer pipes are rotting out. And yet we talk about how it's always happening, but we still don't seem unable to even fix that. Yeah. I, I don't know what to do with a hundred year bond. Like, what what am I going to do with that, Zach? Am I going to pass it down to my kids' kids? Like, I, I don't really care. Yes. No, you, you might get like 6 or 7%, and uh, your kids can keep collecting that. And the key is, is that while a lot of people say this is too long, people are going to be dead, there are lots of governments and, and individuals, institutions that would love to have a 100-year bond at a guaranteed rate. I guess so. I, I just can't... <laughs> It's too long. It's too long. So you're out. I'm out. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, I guess sort of uh, last point I kind of wanted to make on all this is going back to the coin and the platinum coin. And at the very end of this article by Bloomberg, they said, to be honest, this might actually be the best solution for everybody. And they were like, look, Biden acts unilaterally and just basically takes the debt ceiling off the table. We don't need to negotiate it anymore. But it's also might be the best play for Republicans because immediately they can complain about a power grab. They can complain about Biden not being an honest broker. And at the same time, They don't actually have to go vote on anything. They don't have to negotiate at anything. They don't have to give up anything. And it keeps our fiscal house in order. And so maybe at the end of the day, this coin just kind of gives everybody what they need. It's a win-win. It's uh, something for uh, (laughs) Republicans to uh, rage (laughs) pitchforks and torches and be angry about. And the uh, Biden solves the problem. And... Most of all, good movie plots. You also think that maybe in the smoke-filled room between McCarthy and uh, Biden, they're actually talking about this kind of thing right here. Like, look, here's the win-win for everybody. Therefore, I'm going to do this, and you're allowed to howl, but like, we all know we're not going to like take this too far in terms of like investigations or legal challenges. They have to be talking about this, don't you think? I think Joe's got the coin in his pocket already. He's going to pull it out and smack it on the table. <laughs> Would it have his face on it? Uh, Diamond Joe wouldn't do that. He'd put somebody else. He'd put John McCain's face on it or something like that just to, uh, just to screw with Republicans more. And that would be a win for John McCain, who's always been screwing with his own party. No, you're right. He'd have to make some sort of an overture, right? And that would be that would be like, like a palatable one that like probably most Americans could kind of get behind. Because like, I mean, you Bob, know, Dole. Bob, Bob Dole, Bob Dole. I don't know if anybody remembers him at this point. 
Yeah, you should. He's a World War World War Two hero. He was he a hundred percent. I I feel like it'd be kind of boring to put like Lincoln on there, even though like <laughs> that's an easy win. I, I think you got to update it a little bit. Yeah, the Rhino, John McCain, like it. What about Warren Buffett? Yeah, he's not political enough. You gotta you gotta score some points there. Okay, no, that's a, that's an interesting idea. Especially McCain's from Arizona. That's a battleground state. You could you know. That, that could win some points, wins the votes there. Does does platinum come from Arizona? Like, could they could they mine it there too, just to try to you know create some jobs and stuff like that? Especially if it's a big coin, like I'd like. <laughs> Probably, I don't know. Maybe it's out in the desert. Now, let's say we do default. I know you told me we're not. Any chance that we see then a rise in Bitcoin? I kind of have been wondering. If all of a sudden, you know, you, I think you'd see a spike in gold as people would want to go hold more gold because that's always kind of a panic thing to hold. But I do wonder if this could be Bitcoin's kind of moment as people will look for alternatives. I'm not saying all at once, but I do think you'll see some people get spooked by this. I lost all faith in Bitcoin when the sanctions came down on Russia and the value didn't increase. If this was some sort of currency that was valuable to work outside a system, I thought when the sanctions hit Russia, Bitcoin would go up in value. And it didn't. It just gone, it's just gone down and down and down. It's, I know you're, here, you're a big, uh, big investor, a big believer in crypto. I'm losing all faith whatsoever. So if you had to like, find another asset class, what would you take? Uh, rural Northern Michigan property. Okay. Okay. Just I'm long on Michigan. We got, we have water, we have a uh, few natural disasters. We have the good climate and uh, Northern Michigan is just going to get more and more desirable. There's some rural farmland up there. I bet I could buy real cheap. Maybe not even farmland, just scrub land. <laughs> <laughs> just go fight the black flies and the ticks. Yeah, yeah, just, just get, you know, 100 acres right here, another 100 acres there, just building it up. That'll be good stuff. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. I, I think that, or would you go into, uh, I guess, just buying commodities, maybe just like start holding copper, some silver, something with some uh, industrial merit? Too much to happen there. I don't I don't know what's going to happen with copper. It's, uh, yeah, I used to have faith in uh lithium and cobalt but uh now i'm reading about sodium ion batteries so you don't need lithium so i, I don't know what's going to happen next I, i'm not smart enough to pick one of those when you say sodium like salt yeah well lithium think about your uh table of the elements so, sodium's right next to lithium and they can just change and make the batteries out of sodium rather than lithium and then we don't need to wait in line and bid up the cost of lithium and if lithium does get expensive naturally people find a way to make sodium work Hey, the, the, the true genius, the innovator, and uh, hopefully the innovator will continue to have liquidity in their business so they can keep working on these kinds of projects. Yeah. Hey, right on. Go for it. Get us some batteries. The new GM trucks can have a 40 mile range. Zach, you buy in that minivan's got to be getting old. I get another 50,000 miles, hopefully. I, I, could, I could see an electric car. I just got an electric lawnmower just a couple of weekends ago, and I really like it. It's very quiet. So uh, I'm slowly converting. Oh, I have a big lawn tractor that kills, just eats gas. Come over here. We could have a competition. Who could mow faster? Probably you. Uh, but at the same time, I can at least be snooty now and uh, pretend I'm better than everybody. Well, we'll have to see here if we're going to mint a coin or if America is going to cut a deal. 
Don says he's not worried. I guess I'm I'm mad. Are you 100% not worried? I have bigger concerns, Zach. There's a lot going on in our household. I, I am not worrying about this at all. All right. Well, uh, we'll we'll know in, in about 10 days here or so. So uh, either we'll we'll be back uh, on a podcast talking about some other random topic, or we'll be back talking about this because uh, the electricity didn't go on in our house or something like that. I'm more concerned about marmalated stink bugs than I am the debt ceiling. <laughs> I love your confidence. Well. <laughs> Don, it's been a pleasure talking to you this week. I look forward to talking with you next week. Absolutely, Zach. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye.